Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Tonight's message, I'm going to talk about live and let die. You see, a couple of, probably months ago now, Kathy and I were sitting at home in the lounge room. Everything was fine, just chilling out, doing nothing. And then all of a sudden, our dogs went nuts. They jumped up, they ran, they bolted. And it's just like, what is going on? So I looked at my wife, she looked at me, neither of us had any idea. So we did what all good dog owners do. We opened the back door, get out of here. Go on, scram. A few days later, again, just sitting in our dining room and all of a sudden, just out the corner of my eye, I saw movement. And you know what that's like. You're sitting in your house and you see movement. You go, hang on a sec, there was nothing there. What's going on? And looked over and saw this mouse scurrying across the floor, going behind the bookcase. And all of a sudden, the penny drops. Like, ah, that's what the dogs were going nuts about. Because they knew something that we didn't. We had a mouse in the house. And you never want to have a mouse in your house. It's not something that everyone goes, hey, yeah, pick me, give me mice. So nonetheless, we had this mouse in the house. I thought, cool, I know what to do with that. So I went down to my local hardware store and I bought a trap. Bought... not even cheese, not even, you know, not even food stuff, but nowadays when you go and buy a mouse trap, they actually have a special prepared tube of bait to use. I thought, really? Okay, we'll give that a go. So I set my traps, went to bed going, we got this thing. And I got up the next morning and I must confess, I went straight to see my traps because I'm going to get this thing. So I went straight to see my traps and I was really disappointed when I found that the trap hadn't been set off. I was annoyed when I saw that the bait was gone. So not only had the trap not gone off, but the mouse had had a great feed in the meantime, so great, okay, here we go again. So I reset them, I thought, fine, tomorrow morning, we'll make sure we get him. And I got up the next morning and found the same thing. The traps hadn't been set off, but the bait was gone. And I looked down at this trap and I felt God say to me, you know what, you're a lot like that. What? What do you mean, God? He said, you're trying to kill that mouse, but all you're really doing is feeding it. And I went, oh, that hurts. You see, 
To feed something is to sustain it, to nourish it, to help it grow, to strengthen. And the very thing that I was trying to get rid of, I had sustained and grown and strengthened. And I felt God say, you know what? There are things in your life that right now you're feeding that you need to stop feeding because we need to get rid of that thing. There are things in my life that you actually need to starve. There are things in your life that you actually need to kill. And so tonight, as we look at live and let die, we're going to be looking at the things that we often feed, which we should actually be putting to death. You see, God often will reveal to us areas in our lives that he wants us to surrender or remove. And when we feed those things, we make them bigger strongholds than they actually already are. You see, this is a theme that's throughout the New Testament. In Luke 9, verse 23, Jesus said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. In Galatians 2, the Apostle Paul writes, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. See, Pastor Tony has often said that the two greatest forces in this earth are both trying to kill you. Satan, the devil, who Phil spoke about this morning, the deceiver, wants to kill you. Why? Because he hates you. Why does he hate you? Because as, again, Phil said this morning, you're made in the image of God. And because God loves you and you're made in his image, Satan hates that. And so therefore, by extension, hates you. He hates you because God loves you. And because God loves you, Satan wants to destroy you. God himself actually does want to kill us as well. But he wants to kill us for a very different reason. He wants to kill those areas in our lives that are not God-honoring. And by putting those areas to death, it actually stops hindering us. And so there are things in our lives that God says, nah, that thing, if you really want to move forward, that thing, it's got to go. And it's done out of a heart of love. He wants us to die to ourselves so that we can experience true life in him. You see, John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You see, to experience this life that God wants to experience, or God wants us to experience, we need to do the things that God is telling us to do. And so if we want to experience the vastness, the expanse that God has for us, 
we need to let go of some of those anchors in our life so that we can move forward. My role here at Victory, I get a chance to speak to a lot of people. and It's it's something that's a real privilege and a real pleasure to do. And I must say that there's actually been a common theme of late as to some of my appointments. And it's along these lines. It's areas that we need to stop feeding and let die. The first area that I see is that we need to stop feeding our insecurity. Put your hand up if you're insecure. See, most of you are too insecure to put your hand up to admit that you're insecure. This is what I know. We are all insecure. Standing here right now, talking about this message makes me insecure. Do you know that? This is not the most comfortable thing in the world for me to be doing right now. And right now there is a voice in the back of my head saying, you are a hypocrite. Everything that you are about to tell all of these people, you can't even do yourself. So why are you bothering to tell anyone else? Get off the stage, go and fix your own life. And you know what? There's actually an element of truth to that. It's actually true. Do I struggle with this? Yes. But no more than anyone else. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, we're all insecure. The question is, what are you going to do with it? You see, if you feed your insecurity, you turn it into a stronghold. If you starve your insecurity, it allows you to place it and still work through it. That voice, that's there every single time. What do you do with that? You tell the voice it's lying. Because it's true, it is lying. In some aspects. You see, what makes a really good lie is having enough truth in the lie so that you believe it. Can I do this? Not in my strength, I can't. See, the reality is we're all insecure. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. But let's place our insecurity in a spot where it doesn't limit us anymore. If I listen to that insecurity, I don't do this. If I don't do this, other people don't get blessed. It's as simple as that. And so I place my insecurity and I stop feeding it. Pastor Paul de Jong wrote a book called Isolating Insecurity. And the premise of the book is that you need to isolate insecurity or it will isolate you. Because it's not the matter of feeling insecure, it's a matter of what we do with it. One of the statements that Pastor Paul makes in his book is what you feed will take the lead. What you feed will take the lead. If you continue to feed your insecurity, it will continue to lead your life. We need to stop making maybe statements. I was walking through the cafe. Andre didn't talk to me 
maybe he doesn't like me. Oh, maybe, maybe it's worse than that. Maybe he hates me. Oh, maybe, maybe it's worse than that. Maybe when I come into the office on Tuesday, maybe he's going to fire me. Oh, maybe, maybe. If you put maybe in front of any statement, you can say whatever you want after that. We need to stop making maybe statements and settle in the truth of what we know. I know Andre is for me. I know Andre doesn't hate me. I know, I know that Andre likes me. And I need to stop saying maybe statements and settle it with the truth of what is there. You know what? This happened to me recently. You know, right now, I've got an ear issue. Right? Even as I'm speaking now, this ear is ringing. It's really, really annoying. And what it's doing is that in noisy spaces, it's actually stopping me from hearing. And I was walking through the cafe last week, and someone shouted across the cafe. Well, they thought it was a shout, but because of my ear issue, I couldn't hear them. They thought I ignored them. Or maybe he heard me and he ignored me. Maybe, maybe he ignored me because he doesn't like me. Maybe he doesn't like me. No, 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 no. It's simple. I just didn't hear. Everything that happened after that was in their head, not real. And insecurity isolates us with what isn't real. So let's stop feeding our insecurity. You see, our insecurity issues are usually identity issues in disguise. Let me say that again. Our insecurity issues are usually identity issues in disguise. We sing a song, and we're going to sing it a little bit later, Who You Say I Am. I love that song because it's scripture to word, sorry, scripture to music. And if we truly just stop, here's some homework. If we truly just stop and line by line go through that song, you will see what God says over you. You see, God says over you that you were lost, but he brought you in. It says that who the sun sets free is free indeed. It says, I am a child of God. It says that God ransomed me. He put value on me and paid that price. It says that his grace runs deep for me. Let's not feed our insecurity. Let's isolate it with the truth of who God says you are. And let's feed our identity. The second thing, let's stop feeding negativity. Some would ask the question, are you a positive or a negative person? Some would ask the question, do you see the glass half full or half empty? You see, for me, the glass is neither half full nor half empty. The glass is always full. What is it full of is always the question. You see, it's full of water to that level. 
and then it's full of air beyond that. And if I take another drink, all of a sudden the water leaves the glass creating more space for the air. But the glass is still full. It always is. You see, we need to stop feeding our negativity because as Phil again said this morning, we need to make sure that we're full of the Holy Spirit. Sorry about that. You see, for me, this is what I've come to learn. I can be full of the Holy Spirit. And then I can give out a bit. And then I can give out a bit more. And then I can go back to God and get more of the Holy Spirit. And that enables me to give out a bit more and a bit more. Recently, I found myself in a place where I was giving out more than I was putting in. It's not that I'd stopped putting in, it's just that I hadn't made the adjustment of I'm giving out more than I'm giving in. And so what happened? I got low on the Holy Spirit. What did that do to my negativity? Well, that's the rest of the glass. Because I'm always full. There's no neutral space. And you're either full of the Holy Spirit or you're not. And as I gave out, I found that I was getting more negative. I found that my attitude had changed. I found that my language changed. All because I was full, but the ratio of positive to negative wasn't right. And I needed an extended time of being able to refill. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had Irene Lang's funeral here. Now, Irene Lang was our oldest member of our congregation. She died at 105 years of age. Amazing. And you think about that and you go, wow, 105. Can I just put that in context? She was actually born the same year the Titanic sank. Wow. Think about everything she saw in her lifetime. She actually walked across the Sydney Harbour Bridge the second day it was open. Wow. She lived through world wars. She lived through the rise of technology. And not just the technology you're thinking about. She lived through the rise of aircraft travel starting. Wow. Cars starting. Wow. She lived through the Great Depression. Wow. And when she turned 100, we had the opportunity of filming her testimony. And we got to play it again at the funeral this week. Do you know what she didn't talk about in her testimony? 
any of that. Do you know what she did say? Next to God, family first. For a woman who had seen all of that, next to God, family first. What she did say was that a good, positive Christian attitude would really stand against anything that would come against you. Let's kill off the negativity that's in our lives. In Philippians 4, Paul writes, I've learnt to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learnt the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. For a man writing from prison, it shows how we can take our negativity and we can starve it. The third thing, we need to stop feeding our past hurt. I love camping. I love getting away. I love getting under the stars with a campfire. But whenever you stand around a campfire, you really just stink afterwards. You see, that smoke of the campfire, it has a way of clinging. It has a way of permeating everything. And there are times that you wash your hair and you go, nope, need to do it again. Past hurt is exactly the same. It clings, it permeates everything. It colours everything. It affects our relationships, it affects our decision making, it affects our reactions and our responses. It keeps you bound up. Your past hurt keeps you ineffective. Your past hurt keeps you wounded. Because when we feed a past hurt... It doesn't stay a past hurt. See, when you feed it, you bring it back into your present. And when you feed your past hurt, you re-wound yourself. We need to stop feeding our past hurts. Because God's answer is forgiveness. To stop feeding our past hurts, we need to forgive C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, once said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. See, forgiveness is not easy, but it is the answer. If we're going to stop feeding our past hurt, stop, feed, stop bringing that past hurt into the present, we need to forgive. In Matthew 6, verse 14, Jesus said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Do you want to limit the forgiveness that God has towards you? 
I don't. I know what I've done in my life and I don't want to limit that forgiveness from God in any way, shape or form. And so therefore I am compelled to forgive others. The fourth area that I see is that we need to stop feeding sexual immorality. You see, God created both gender and sex. In Genesis 1.27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Now, I know that there's a lot in the media at the moment about gender. And to be honest with you, I'm always astonished at how some things that are so simple can be made so complex whenever we do away with what God says. You see, God created sex. It is by design. God wasn't surprised when he looked from heaven and saw Adam and Eve having sex in the Garden of Eden. It's not like he was going, oh, I didn't realise you could do that. No, it was designed that way. Everything that is designed is designed for a purpose. And when we use something outside of its design or outside of its intended purpose, it often leads to hurt. Think about this for a moment. You want to hang a picture in your house. So you grab your picture hook and you grab your hammer. Your trusty hammer, the tool designed for the job, it has a purpose. It's there to put nails in. But what if you don't have a hammer? What do you do then? Well, here's some options that I have personally used before <laughs> as a hammer. I've used this as a hammer before, just to make sure I get that nail in to hang the picture. Did it work? Hmm, a little bit. I've used one of these before. Oh, it gets worse. You're going to laugh at me, but I've used this before. The problem with this one, two problems. One is I really hurt my finger as I hit the nail. But you've got to watch this end as well. <laughs> because you can take an eye out. I have used this before. The problem when you take something away from its original design and its original purpose is that things don't go well. People or things get hurt. I did use this once and I left this massive hole in the wall <laughs> trying to put a nail in. When we take sex 
out of its intended purpose. People get hurt. And we need to stop feeding our sexual immorality. In Colossians 3 verse 5, it says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Pretty clear. So why don't we do it? We often feed the desire because we like it. And then we try and rationalize it. Oh, well, God just wants me to be happy. Actual fact, God wants us to be holy. And he wants us to be holy. And when we're holy, we will find we're happy in him, not happy in our sin. So we need to stop feeding our sexual immorality. The last thing tonight as the band comes, we need to stop feeding our selfishness. In Matthew 16, 24 to 26, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what does it benefit you if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? How often do you read that piece of scripture and go, yep, nah, nothing's worth more than your soul and keep going? But have you stopped just to think and to ponder? It's a rhetorical question and we just want to say no because it's the right answer. And yet, if an external observer followed you around for a week, what would they see? Would they see you putting aside your way for his? Would they see you putting aside your agenda for your family? For your spouse, for your kids? What's really happening here? Because it's not enough just to gloss over and say, no, nothing's worth more than your soul. It is time just to take that stock take and go, oh, do I really believe that? You see, every decision you make affects someone else. I am free to leave this place Go to the casino and gamble away all my money. Our money. <laughs> I'm free to do that. But there are consequences to my actions. Consequences that would be seen in our marriage and in our kids. Consequences that would be seen in us sleeping on the street. We're free. But we're not as free as we think we are. Jesus said that if we will give up our life for his sake, we will save it. Let's stop feeding our selfishness and instead prioritize God's kingdom. In conclusion tonight, whatever you feed grows. 
If you're feeding your insecurity, your negativity, hurt, sexual immorality or selfishness, it will grow. And the only way we can fix this is by stop feeding it and allow God's spirit to come in and allow it to die in our lives. You know what? That mouse that we had, I wasn't feeding it intentionally. It wasn't like I was leaving a bowl of food out for it, saying, come here, little mousey. No, I wasn't feeding it intentionally, but I was still feeding it. And some things you may be feeding intentionally and some things you may not be feeding intentionally, but still feeding nonetheless. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 